0: Locked on. Locked on. Locked lock, lock on. Locked lock, lock on. Locked on. on. Locked on. Locked on. Cowboys. Locked on. Cowboys.
1: Welcome back to another episode between two locked on NFL podcasts the Locked on Ravens podcast and the Lockdown Cowboys podcast. I am here with Marcus Mosher. Is it Mosher? Yep, you got it. Yep. All right, great. I'm just do it again then because okay. I, I had to ask. No, no, you're good. And we are back here with another Locked on Ravens podcast, but this time we are here with the Locked On Cowboys podcast and Marcus Mosher of Locked On Cowboys. I am Kevin Allstriker of Locked On Ravens. And we have a special episode here for you today. These two divisions, the AFC North, the NFC East, are going to be matching up throughout the 2020 season. And with the Cowboys, at least from a Ravens fan perspective in my eyes, a very dangerous team, have a very dangerous offense, a very good quarterback. And that defense is starting to look
0: a bit improved too. Marcus, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Uh, I'm glad to be doing the Ravens podcast. Yesterday we did the uh, Lockdown Steelers. And man, anybody who listens to the On Cowboys podcast knows about my hatred for the Steelers. And now I finally get to talk to somebody who hates the Steelers just as much as I do. So this is going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it seems like if you were a Ravens fan, you'd fit in. You'd fit in quite well, but hey, we'll we'll,
0: we'll take anybody who, who
1: does not like the Steelers on this podcast, but a lot of questions for me to ask you here, Marcus, about the Dallas Cowboys, and let's just start off with the most recent sporting event in the NFL, and that was the NFL draft. The Cowboys, as I mentioned, you know, I've talked about it on my show, the Cowboys, I thought, outside of the Ravens, I think they had the best draft. They nabbed C.D. Lamb, and that's really the move I want to talk about first, because, Us Ravens fans, we were looking forward to maybe having CeeDee Lamb in a Ravens uniform if Mm. he got to 28 with some impossible luck. But they were thinking about, the rumors have come out, that maybe if CeeDee Lamb had slipped to 19, the Ravens would have maybe made a move up there. The Cowboys obviously made sure that that didn't happen. Now, the Cowboys have receivers on their roster and very talented ones at that. Even before CeeDee Lamb got on there, Amari Cooper re-signed to that mega deal. Michael Gallup really seems to be underrated in my eyes, a guy who doesn't really get a lot of coverage but I think he is very talented. Was this CD Lamb pick kind of we're not going to let him fall to the Eagles. We don't need him, but he's a luxury or was CD Lamb someone who the Cowboys are genuinely interested in and was going to take with that first round pick regardless?
0: Yeah, so the Cowboys were pretty adamant going into the 2020 draft that they were not going to draft the receiver at number 17. Again, they really like what they have in Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup centering his third year. They like some of their down the roster guys and Devin Smith and John Vea Johnson. So it really wasn't on their radar at all. Uh, they liked the LSU defensive end Caleb on chase on uh, when AJ Terrell went off the board at pick number 16, the corner from Clemson. That was somebody that they liked a lot. But when CeeDee Lamb fell to them at pick 17, that's where the whole equation changed because CeeDee Lamb was somebody who the Cowboys had a significant grade on. He was their number six player on their board, uh, and they just believe he's going to be a superstar. So while they needed help at cornerback and on the edge, Lamb was just too good of a talent to pass up. And it's going to be a lot of fun to see what the Cowboys do. Uh, with Ceedee Lamb in this offense, I, I have a feeling he's going to start his career in the slot with Gallup and Cooper out wide. You'll see some looks with Lamb outside, Cooper in the slot. Um, but this is going to be a team that lives in 11 personnel. They're going to throw the ball a lot more than they have over the last, you know, several seasons with Jason Garrett. Uh, so this is a fun offense. And I think the Lamb pick really energized the Cowboys fan base.
1: Yeah, I mean, that Lamb pick, you know, the Dallas fans, they have a lot to look forward to. Ravens receiver Hollywood Brown and Lamb are pretty much best friends. They went to Oklahoma together, and that was really what the Ravens wanted, was a, a, an elite receiver in C.D. Lamb, who also already had some connections with the Ravens. But then looking at the rest of the draft, Marcus, I think the Cowboys drafted phenomenally, getting Trayvon Diggs in the second round. you got a guy like Neville Gallimore in the third, guys who are falling, Tyler Beadish and Bradley and I, guys who can make an impact on day one. I think they got phenomenal value. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I would have to agree. And actually one of my favorite picks in the entire draft, not just for the Cowboys, but you know, all 32 teams was the Cowboys grabbing Reggie Robinson, the cornerback from Tulsa in the fourth round. Uh, Dallas wants to become a more physical press man, press zone type of team. And Trevon Diggs obviously fits that mold really well, but Reggie Robinson, uh, a little bit of a project, maybe probably not going to play a lot in year one, but that's somebody who I think the Cowboys believe has starting potential their general manager, Will McClay, uh, said that that was his pet cat of the draft. Uh, so when you add in Reggie Robinson with Gallimore and Diggs, and then a uh, like, uh, like you mentioned, it's a it's a really fun draft class for the Cowboys.
1: Yeah, for the Cowboys, I think that this draft really it was really good. And what the Ravens pride themselves on is getting that depth and getting that talent. The Cowboys did exactly that. They let the board fall to them, and CD Lamb, you know, that talent falls right into their laps. You don't pass on it. You have a guy like Siobhan Diggs falls into their lap. You don't pass on it as well. I think they did a phenomenal job with this draft. But moving on, Marcus, to what the Cowboys did in free agency this offseason. How would you grade their offseason with what they did to improve their roster?
0: It's tough because I think they lost one of the best cornerbacks in the league in Byron Jones. And I'm not sure how they're going to replace him this year. Even after drafting Diggs and Robinson, uh, Byron's is simply one of the best corners in the league. And that's tough to replace. So... Keeping that in mind, I do like, for the most part, what Dallas has done. They brought in uh, some veteran leaders who can kind of fill roles in the meantime until Mike McCarthy and Mike Nolan can get their guys uh, on both sides of the ball. So, Gerald McCoy, I think that's maybe a slight upgrade over Malik Collins, who they lost in free agency. They brought in Don Terry Poe to give them some size in the uh, defensive line. Uh, they signed HaHa Clinton Dix, the former safety from the Bears. He gives them some playmaking ability. Uh, and then, you know, they were a team that got, you know, they're probably going to pick up three or four compensatory picks by losing guys like Jason Witten and Jeff Heath and Malik Collins. Good players, but not necessarily franchise players. So, overall, a, a pretty solid uh, free agent cr- you know crop for the Cowboys. Nothing spectacular. It's not like anybody's going to be calling them off-season, offseason winners because of what they did in free agency. But I think they did enough to allow them to – draft the best players available in the draft so they didn't have to reach for um you know a, a certain position in the first round they could take cd lamb and feel like the rest of the roster was set so overall a pretty solid offseason for mike mccarthy in his first year with the dallas cowboys
1: yeah i think so too obviously losing byron jones you can't understate how much that hurts you know one of the i guess defensive leaders on that team especially with his play but you look at what they did in the offseason i think that you know, they lost a few pieces, but overall, I think they built that roster back up. And I think that they're definitely going to be in the running for the NFC East title once again this year. But we have to talk about this quarterback position here, Marcus, mm. because there's Dak Prescott on the roster. There's been a lot of speculation as to whether the Cowboys going to sign him to this long-term extension. Dak Prescott wants $40 million a year. There's been so much that's come out about him And his contract with the Cowboys, the the Cowboys obviously signing Andy Dalton just a few days ago. How does that move impact what the Cowboys might do with Dak Prescott
0: and his contract situation? It doesn't. Uh, They brought in Andy Dalton to be a backup to help with Dak Prescott, but not replace him. Uh, Dalton's getting just $3 million guaranteed from the Cowboys. Uh, He knows he's at the stage of of his career where he's no longer going to be looked at as a franchise quarterback. And frankly, I think one of the biggest reasons why Dallas brought Dalton in is because of his experience with the AFC North. You know, they're going to play four games this year against teams that he knows very well. So having him in Dak Prescott's pocket, helping him with strategies and tendencies of, you know, all four of those teams in the AFC North, I think it's going to be very beneficial. It also helps that he's a local kid. He was living near Dallas anyways. So, uh, you know, he he can be around the facility. He, he loves being in Texas. I think that certainly had uh, an impact on him deciding to, to choose the Cowboys. But again, this is not going to impact Dak Prescott at all. Dallas will eventually get Prescott signed, probably closer to that July 15th deadline. I don't stress about that deal at all. I think it, it will get done. The number is going to come somewhere between 34 and 36 million. We'll see how many years it is. It's going to be between four or five years. Cowboy fans shouldn't stress about it. They will get Prescott done, and he'll be extended for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. With Prescott, you have a very talented quarterback. You know, these quarterbacks, they don't come along very often. Dallas, they know what they're doing. They're going to get their guy locked up. Another guy who the Dallas Cowboys signed to a pretty lucrative deal, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, Amari Cooper, Mm. signed that five-year, $100 million contract, turned down more money from the Washington Redskins, as rumors have it, as rumors say, to things about the Cowboys organization some not so good things about the Redskins organization but you look at Amari Cooper here Marcus was that lucrative deal worth it for the
0: Cowboys absolutely you look at what Dak Prescott did before he got Amari Cooper compared to what he was after uh and it's it's noticeably different Dak Prescott is a significantly better passer with Amari Cooper on the field and listen with the way the NFL is structured today It's all about how well your quarterback can play. So why not give him every possible weapon to succeed? I think Amari Cooper is a fantastic receiver. I know some other people have complaints about him, that he's maybe not an alpha dog, and maybe he doesn't play through injuries well enough. I don't really care. I think he's one of the best route runners in the league. I think he's a fantastic fit for Dak Prescott. Uh, I would have paid him that same amount of money. And listen, here's the beauty of the, the deal Dallas made with Amari Cooper. They can get out of that deal in two years with no guaranteed money left. So if we get to the twenty twenty two off season, and Dallas wants to leave and they want to pay Michael Gallup instead, they can do that. They'll have that'll, that'll be their prerogative. If they think Gallup's at a you know higher point of his career than what Cooper is at that stage, they can do that. I don't anticipate that happening because I think again I think Amari Cooper is a star. I think he's a perfect perfect fit for Dak Prescott. Uh, and I think, yeah, he, he's absolutely deserving the, of the money that he got this offseason. I think so, too. Sometimes I think people get this
1: misconception that, you know, paying receivers a bunch of big money really just cripples the roster in other areas. And while it might from a financial perspective, when you have the clear stats to back up that Dak Prescott really does well and a lot better with Amari Cooper on the field, you have to take that into account. So Dallas got their man. They signed him to a contract that they thought he was worth. And so I think that that was a good move for the Cowboys as well. But finally here, Marcus, before we head into our break, I wanted to talk to you a bit about the Dallas Cowboys and that defense. As you mentioned, they lost Byron Jones and a bunch of other pieces, you know, smaller pieces. How do you think this defense is going to do come 2020?
0: It's not going to be great. That's, that's about as good as I can say. I think this is a defense that ranked inside the top 10 last year in points per game. But anybody who actually watched this team realizes that that's a little bit of smoke and mirrors. They are a talented group that didn't play that well last year. Uh, I do think the Byron Jones loss will hurt. Uh, I think Dallas's goal this year isn't necessarily to be... You know, in the top ten of points per game on defense, I think the goal is to create more turnovers, and I think they're going to be a much more aggressive defense by blitzing more. Uh, I think you're going to see multiple fronts from the Cowboys. I think you're going to see things to help free up guys like DeMarcus Lawrence and maybe Alden Smith on the edges. So they're going to be trying to be turnover, you know, prone. They're going to try to get as many uh, takeaways as possible. That may lead to some big plays down the field, uh, but I think that's a, a trade off the Cowboys are willing to make to make you know as they rebuild this defense um, you know really quickly one of the best things that the Cowboys could do this offseason or this upcoming season if they can get a healthy Leighton Vanderesh and Jalen Smith back to the level that he played in 2018 this defense will be dramatically better than it was last year Jalen took a step backwards in 2019 Leighton Vanderesh Esch missed most of the season with a neck injury together those were that was a big problem for Dallas they can get better linebacker play this year. They'll be a significantly better defense. Yeah, that linebacker
1: crew, I mean, if you get those two guys healthy, they will be Phenomenal, I think, with with those two guys, and they're young, they're athletic. They both bring different skill sets, but I think that they together, if you as we mentioned, if you can get them to that high level, the Dallas Cowboys will be a much improved defense, and I think a much improved team. But we're gonna head into our first break here, and when we get back, we're gonna be talking about some Ravens football. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right
0: back. Just so wanted to remind you guys that today's episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar that you will ever have. I can promise you that. It's hard to even explain just how good Built Bars are. Uh, I tried the peanut butter one the other day and was just blown away by how good it was. Did not taste like a protein bar at all. I swear that you're eating a candy bar and that's just how good it is. Uh, the best part about Built Bar is they're fantastic for you. They have an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There's no crazy additives. If you want to experience a Built Bar, and I highly, highly recommend that you do, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. And we are back here on the Locked On Cowboys, Locked On Ravens crossover edition. On the podcast, I am here with Kevin Ostreicher from Locked On Ravens. And Kevin, man, I've got a lot of questions for you. Um, but let's go ahead and start with this one. I personally think the Ravens have the best overall roster in the NFL. Just not a lot of holes on that team. But if there is one or two positions that could potentially trip up this Ravens team in 2020, where are they at? Is it on the offensive line after Marshall Yonder retired? Is it at edge rusher as you're still looking for guys like Tyus Bowser and Jalen Ferguson to develop. Where are the spots that could be troublesome for the Ravens in
1: 2020? I I think you nailed it with the edge rusher. I think the Ravens, they want to get a little better at the edge rusher position. Now, they didn't address that in the draft. And I think that that has a vote of confidence with Tyus Bowser and with Jalen Ferguson. But what you have to look at is the Ravens on their roster right now, realistically, they only have three edge rushers that made an impact in 2019. And if nothing changes, maybe you get John Daka, who was the FCS sack leader in 2019 out of James Madison. He signed with the Ravens as an undrafted guy. So maybe he's the next, you know, great Ravens undrafted for agent, but I think they could do a lot by adding a veteran to that room. I've mentioned three guys on my show before. I think Pernell McPhee, somebody who played in Baltimore last year and in limited time, put up a lot of numbers is The season ended up falling a little bit short, got injured, had an arm injury. But he was one of the Ravens' sack leaders throughout the entire season. Now, the Ravens as a whole didn't really rack up the sacks. Matthew Judon was their leader with nine and a half. But McPhee put on a show in limited action, and I think that he could be somebody who knows the system, and with the coronavirus, you know, wreaking havoc on a lot of the world and doing a lot of things with the sports world, maybe the Ravens want to have that continuity, and they bring back McPhee. I think Clay Matthews, an option who got cut by the Los Angeles Rams in the offseason. There were reports that he actually was close to signing with the Ravens last offseason, ended up wanting to stay a little bit closer to home in Los Angeles, so that's why he ended up going to the Rams, And then Terrell Suggs, you know, the homecoming, something that potentially could have happened had the Chiefs not snagged him up and he went on to win that Super Bowl. But I think if you had to pinpoint one area, I think it would be edge rusher.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, You know, Baltimore is always great at coming up with pass rush and, you know, the scheming it open. So I feel confident that Baltimore is going to eventually figure that out. Um, Kevin, I have some rapid fire questions for you. So let's go ahead and get to some of these really quickly. Uh, Right guard, that's been, you know, an issue over the last couple of years. Uh, They had drafted Ben Powers last year from Oklahoma. They drafted Ben Bredesen this year from Michigan. Who fills into that spot this year?
1: I, I do believe it's Powers. I think the Ravens, with Ben Powers, they drafted him with the idea of kind of redshirting him. So they let him sit behind Marshall Yonda for a year and say, hey, look, we're going to get you into this position where you're not going to play a lot, but you're going to have one of the best right guards to ever do it. Kind of in your back pocket as a guy who you can take out and say, hey, how do I do this? How do I do that? And you're going to learn behind him. And then if he does retire, we have you under him for a year and that's our plan i think that ben bredesen has a very good shot to start in this rookie in his rookie year for the ravens i think that would be more at, at the left guard position however there have been reports that he might move to center the ravens and their starting center matt Skura suffered a really gruesome injury against the los angeles ramsey tours acl mcl pcl and dislocated his kneecap all on the same play so not really what you want to hear out of a guy who really improved from a starting center perspective, but for the right guard position, I think powers is going to be the guy to fill in.
0: All right, let's go to receiver. Uh, Obviously everybody knows about Marquise Brown, but people may have forgot that they actually took another receiver in the third round last year as well. Miles Boykin, uh, is he still projected to be the wide receiver too this year for Baltimore?
1: I think he will be the wide receiver, too. Boykin is a bigger guy, also has a lot of speed. He and Lamar Jackson and the Ravens quarterbacks in the preseason, they tore it up. And then once the regular season kind of came and, you know, real football started to be played, Miles Boykin kind of disappeared, only had 13 receptions for 198 yards and three scores. But he showed flashes of being able to get open deep, being able to block really well. He is probably the best blocking receiver On the Ravens roster, he is a very good stock blocker. He will stand cornerbacks up at the line. I think that he will be opposite of Marquise Brown come week one. But then you have Devin Duvernay, who was drafted in the third round by the Ravens. You have James Prochet, who was in the sixth round. Willie Sneedon is the guy who you can put in the slot. Although, I think he's going to transition more to an outside role. But I still think Miles Boykin is the guy at number two
0: uh a lot of the cowboys were fans were hoping for them to draft a slot receiver in the third and fourth round uh you know we, we never we never thought in our wildest dreams that cd lamb would be available i know every time we did one of those mock draft simulators every time lamb was available at 17 we had to restart the draft because we just didn't think that was very realistic uh, but a lot of the guys that we were talking about you know late day two early day three Uh, Baltimore actually drafted two of them, Devin DuVernay from Texas and James Prochet from SMU. Uh, What do you expect from DuVernay this year with the Ravens?
1: Yeah, I love Devin DuVernay. I had him projected to the Ravens in multiple drafts, anywhere from the third to the fifth round. The Ravens obviously snagging him in, in the third round. But for me, what I love about DuVernay is he has great speed. His hands are phenomenal. He, he literally doesn't drop anything. The reason the Ravens went out and got Devin DuVernay and James Prochet is because they hold on to the football. They don't run before the football's in their hands and they kind of, you know, lose sight of the ball. They will track the football make sure it's in their hands and then run with it. Sometimes with receivers who are a little bit antsy, you see them kind of turn their head away from the football, don't really see it get in their hands, and the ball is dropped, and maybe they're open 10 yards down the field, they could bring it in for six. With DuVernay, he's not like that. I also love that he's kind of built like a running back. He's 5'11", 202 pounds. He's super physical. He can also make you miss a bit. So I think that with DuVernay, his skill set fits what the Ravens are doing. They want to build a track team, but they also want to make sure that when Lamar Jackson throws the football it's going to get in their hands and stay there
0: one more offensive question um last year mark ingram was fantastic baltimore drafted jk dobbins at the end of the second round uh they had gus edwards who i i'm always impressed with every time i watch gus Gus edwards play i always think he's really underrated uh but justice hill somebody that was drafted by baltimore last year where does he fit into this equation now because of all the running backs i just mentioned he probably has the most juice of all those guys, the most home run speed. Is he still part of the Ravens future, you know, in that running back room?
1: You know, for the for this question, there have been conflicting reports, but Eric DaCosta has made it clear that he wants all four running backs to be heavily involved come 2020. And I think that's exactly what they're going to do. With Justice Hill, you have a guy who rushed for 225 yards on 58 rushes, scored twice. I mean, he is just lightning in a bottle. When he gets the football, he is electric. He has so many moves in his array that he can just pull out at any given point. He's fast. He's able to do a lot of different things with the football. You mentioned Gus Edwards. I am also very impressed with what Gus Edwards has been able to do. After coming out of Rutgers as an undrafted free agent, really helped the Ravens in 2018 when Lamar Jackson ended up replacing Joe Flack. He was the guy for them. And they brought in Mark Ingram, as you mentioned. J.K. Dobbins is there. Sometimes four running backs, that can be a lot. And maybe you have three active, one inactive. But I, with the roster expansion, I think that the Ravens are going to have all four of these guys active. The Ravens love their depth. They love to have guys fresh for all four quarters. We've seen that in the secondary with their three cornerback rotation they're very deep there in the secondary and also with safety so I think that all four guys are going to be active I think Justice Hill is going to improve quite a bit in 2020 and I think part of that's because I think he's going to get a little bit more opportunities
0: like I said this is just an incredibly deep roster we're talking about the fourth running back we're talking about down the roster guys like Devin Duvernay just just an incredible roster Uh, really quickly on defense I think Baltimore has a lot of big name guys uh, between, you know, Calais Campbell, obviously now with uh, Patrick Queen, Matt Judon, Marlon Humphrey, Earl Thomas, Marcus Peters. Um, but two guys that I think are underrated, and I would love to hear your thoughts on them. Uh, Chuck Clark and Tavon Young. I know Tavon's been banged up a little bit over the his career, but tell me or tell the listeners about those guys and what you expect from them in, in 2020. Sure,
1: yeah, well, I'll start with Chuck Clark. Chuck Clark has been a guy who's been very underrated since coming out of Virginia Tech and he was a late round pick and didn't really get a ton of playing time. The Ravens signed Tony Jefferson a few years ago to hopefully be what they thought was going to be their strong safety of the future. And him paired with Eric Weddle had a decent few years. Eric Weddle obviously departed and is now retired. They put Earl Thomas in his place. And with Tony Jefferson, it just really never worked out. He was Mm. somebody who couldn't do a lot in coverage when he was asked to do it. He's a great hard hitter. He's a run thumper. But he was asked to cover tight ends. He was asked to cover running backs out of the backfield. And it was just he was getting beat. He also had that injury in Week 5 against the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2019 where he tore some knee ligaments and he was out for the year. What the Ravens were planning to do was to insert a tandem of Chuck Clark and Deshaun Elliott to be the strong safety to play deep and to play back. Well, Deshaun Elliott gets injured the next week and is out for the year. So Chuck Clark assumes all this responsibility. He gets the green dot on his helmet which he helps relay calls to all the other defenders. Earl Thomas, a funny story, Earl Thomas in training camp when he came in, he, after one of the meetings, came out and was like, well, why am I here? This guy Chuck Clark is one of the smartest football players I've ever met. Mm -hmm. And that just speaks to his football intelligence and what he's been able to do The Ravens employ him in a dime linebacker set, though. What they do is they like to play him up on the line, something where the Ravens didn't necessarily need to draft Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison. They did it so they can play more base defense looks with two inside linebackers on the field. Now that allows Chuck Clark to come back and play deep while also having a ball hawk into Sean Elliott. And then you mentioned Tavon Young, the 5'9", 185-pound cornerback out of Temple. He has been banged up, as you mentioned, has only played in two years out of the four that he potentially could have played for the Ravens. He missed the 2017 season with an injury and also the 2019 season with an injury. So he's only played in two seasons. But when he's on the field, he is one of the best slot cornerbacks in the NFL, in my opinion. Super twitchy, he's able to keep up with receivers, is able to make good plays on the football, very instinctive. And I love what Tavon Young brings to the field. He's very scrappy. He forces a lot of fumbles. And he also had two touchdowns in 2018 he was a guy who was always around the football always comes up tries to make a play in the run game if it's there he's very good at doing what he does and with slot cornerbacks in this day and
0: age you need a good one to succeed and the Ravens I think they have that I'm excited to see Tate Young come back I I know he got a decent sized contract from Baltimore last year Uh, I I hope he's healthy because he is a really good player uh, when he's out there guys and gals start the competition today with people important in your mom's life Mother's Day is her Super Bowl, so celebrate this Mother's Day by scoring her her favorite gift of the day. Your mom will be able to travel in her mind to exotic India, sample the food, and laugh at the perils of raising a teenager in 1950s India through a new book of fiction called The Henna Artist. By the way, it's Reese Witherspoon's book club pick for May. Then anytime in May post a picture of you or your mom holding the ebook or book on Instagram or Facebook and tag the author Alka Joshi. A donation of 4 meals per post up to 10,000 meals will go to Feeding America. So guys and girls, buy the Henna artist today at your favorite bookseller including Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, Target and make mom the ultimate winner in your family. Kevin, before we go, I just want to ask you about one matchup that you're looking forward to seeing uh, between the Cowboys and Ravens this year. On either side of the ball, what's the one that you're going to be keeping an eye on when these two, te- two teams face off in 2020?
1: Man, that's a tough one, but I think I'm going to go with positional groups. I think it's going to be uh, the Cowboys wide receivers against the Ravens secondary. Oh, that's and a fun I, the, one, yeah. That's the a reason, great one. The reason that is, I mean, you you know, Marcus, the Cowboys receiver room with C.D. Lamb, just got extremely deep. The Ravens' secondary, when they acquired Marcus Peters, it got extremely deep. So there, it's just a, a battle of two strengths. Are you going to put Marlon Humphrey on the outside against Amari Cooper? Are you going to match up Marcus Peters with CeeDee Lamb in the slot? Are you going to put CeeDee Lamb in the slot so he's matched up against Tavon Young? Where's Michael Gallup going to factor into this? Is Jimmy Smith going to be matched up against one of these guys? I mean, it's just going to be a well, chess that's if match.
0: Well, that's if he's healthy, right? We, yes. Who knows ever. Is Jimmy Smith is healthy. Yes,
1: Jimmy Smith has some injury concerns along with Tavon Young, but that's why the Ravens, they love their depth at cornerback. So you could see maybe if Jimmy Smith isn't healthy, Anthony Averett, a fourth-round pick out of Alabama, maybe he comes in and does some things. I think the Cowboys receivers versus the Ravens secondary is going to be the most fun matchup to watch in this game, definitely.
0: You know what I'm not excited for is to watch Earl Thomas play against the Cowboys again, because every time Dallas <laughs> plays Earl Thomas, it ends up being a two or three interception game for him, and he ruins their game. So uh, not looking forward to that, but I am looking forward to, to watching the Ravens this year. Uh, Kevin, why don't you tell the people where they can find you in your work? For me, I write for Ravens Wire, the USA
1: Today's blog for the Baltimore Ravens. So that is RavensWire. I also have Twitter
0: at Chaos Record Thirty Four, and the Locked On Ravens Twitter is at Locked On Ravens. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. You can listen to me on the Locked On Cowboys podcast. I work for the Raiders Wire, so that's a kind of interesting combination between the Cowboys and the Raiders. <laughs> Uh, but it's always fun. Uh, Kevin, we look forward to seeing you this season. Best of luck, buddy. Thank you. Do you as well.